What's happening, people? Welcome back to another edition of Copod. I'm your host, Joanne, and right now we're still in the international break, so I thought I'd do a little bit of an international football roundup. I'm going to be talking about the the player finals that happened for the Euros. We now have all the groups confirmed. We've had a bit of Nations League action. I know the action isn't done just yet. There's a few games to be played tomorrow and Wednesday as I'm recording this. Today's Monday. And I'm also going to delve a little bit into the AFCON action. And then finally, at the end, I might do a little bit of general news roundups. So without further ado, let's get right into the action. As always, follow me on socials at Yohanyo on both Twitter and Instagram. Check out my team, Comunicado Official. Again, follow my accounts at Comunicado Offi on Twitter and at Comunicado underscore official on Instagram. So yeah, like I said, let's get right into the action. Alright, so we're going to start off with the Euro Playoff Finals. And there were four of them. The first one was Georgia against North Macedonia. Bear in mind, all these games were on Thursday, so... Georgia nil, North Macedonia one. Goran Pandev scored the winner for them. And I could have sworn that Pandev retired like five years ago. So when I saw that he'd scored the winner, I was shocked. But anyways, the next one, Hungary 2, Iceland 1. And it was a good turnaround by Iceland, to be fair to them. Obviously, Iceland took the lead inside 10 minutes. I think it was from Gilfi Sigurdsson. They... Hungary equalised in the last 10 minutes through, well, not even the last 10 minutes, the last, the last five minutes from Loic Nego. And then I'm sure you've seen it, the winner in the 92nd minute from Dominic Shabozalai. He's been linked heavily to Arsenal and RB Leipzig, so it was really nice seeing that goal. And uh, I'm just saying, Arsenal don't concede that goal if Alex Renaissance in goal. That's my tip. On to the next one, and we had Northern Ireland, who lost at home to Slovakia. Very, very unfortunate. Although, well, I say unfortunate, to be fair, they were kind of lucky just to get to extra time, because Slovakia really controlled the game. They scored the goal early on through, I can't remember who it was. Was it Kuka, Yurai Kuka? Of course, the Northern Ireland got the, the equaliser very late on. Own goal from Milan Skriniar, of course, the inter centre back in the 87th minute. They huffed and puffed, but eventually, I think, watching this game, I think the better team won. Slovakia got the win late on, 10 minutes to go. An error at the back, and uh, Mikhail Duris scored the winner for Slovakia to take them through to the Euros. And the main event on Thursday, in some ways, a bit of a shock. Serbia won, Scotland won, out in Belgrade. Scotland won on penalties to qualify for the Euros, their first major tournament in 22 years since, uh, obviously, Euro 98. So that's really good for them. Wait, no, World Cup 1998. I'm bugging. What's wrong with me? Yeah, World Cup 1998 in France. That's the last tournament they qualified for. And you can see how much it meant to all those players at the end. You can see Ryan Christie when he was uh, interviewed. He was close to tears. Robertson, captain, 
Captain Fantastic put in a massive shift. David Marshall did really well to save the penalty from uh, Mitrovic, the last one. Uh, who else did really good? Lyndon Dykes, I thought, was very impressive with them. Obviously, my boy KT, Kirantini, put a shift in at the back. McTominay, yes, he made the error for the goal, for um, for Jovic's goal right at the end. But apart from that, he was very solid. Uh, who else faced McGinn was good. McGinn was good. Griffiths was good when he came off the bench. So, yeah, it was a very impressive performance from Scotland. Fully deserving of their win. Should have won in 90 minutes, but it doesn't matter. They'll be at the Euros next summer, and of course, they are in England's group. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to... In fact, at the end, we'll actually look at all the groups for the Euros, and I'll tell you my thoughts on them and what I think is going to happen. So, next up, we're going to get to the Nations League, and most of the games were played across this weekend. So, on Saturday, we had... Let's start off with my country, France. Obviously, we went to Portugal, we went to Lisbon, and we won 1-0 at the Stadio de Luz. De Luz. N'Golo Kante scored the winner uh, early in the second half. Of course, a shot from Rabiot. I think Patricio should have done better with Rabiot's shot, but Kante was following it the whole way. Managed to get ahead of Ruben Diaz to tap into the back of an empty net. And so, overall, I think I think France were good value for the three points. I thought uh, they had... More than enough chances to have the game wrapped up inside the first half. Anthony Martial, in particular, very, very wasteful in front of goal. But, yeah, this, this is probably the best performance I've seen from France, collectively, since... I'd argue since the World Cup, to be honest. I thought it was a very good team performance. Of course, you could see in the last 20 to 15 minutes when Portugal... I think took the shackles off a bit. They started to get a few more chances. Obviously, Moutinho had that stinging shot, which Lloris made a good save from. Uh, Font hit the post, and then there was another one which went just wide. I'm not sure if Ronaldo got his head on it or not. But overall, I think the better team won. Wasn't too impressed with Portugal for all the hype they've been getting. I thought Bruno, Bruno Fernandes was anonymous. Um, who else was I not really impressed by? I don't think Jao Felix really got in the game. Um, Bernardo was Bernardo Silva was very quiet. Um, yeah, I think France were comfortably the better team. It was nice to see Antoine Griezmann playing well, Pogba playing well, Kante playing well. Um, Kimpembe, I thought, was very good at the back alongside his partner Varane. Luca Hernandez, as always, doing well. Lloris, showing that he's still got stuff left in the tank. So, very well done from the boys. And it also means that France will be in the Nations League semi-finals when they come around next October. For what it's worth, I'm not sure where they are this year. I know last year they were out in Portugal. But this, well, for next year, I'm not sure where they're going to be hosted, to be fair with you. Let me go and check this. Uh, if we go on Wikipedia, let's see where who's hosting the Nations League this time. The actual, the actual tournament. So with this one, the finals are being held. Well, it just says six to tenth of October. It doesn't say where though. Hmm, doesn't say where exactly, so I 
Ah, the hosts will be selected from the four qualified teams. All right, so we'll find out who it is. So, yeah, back to the action. Um, yeah, also on Saturday, we had in Group 4 in Ligue we had uh, Germany beating Ukraine three goals to one. Of course, they went behind early. But they pulled, but they turned it around. They got two quick goals through Leroy Sane and Timo Werner, and Timo Werner sealed it midway through the second half with another good finish. So that leaves them and Spain fighting for top spot in the group. Spain, of course, they fluffed their lines really badly. Or should I say, Sergio Ramos fluffed his lines badly in their one-one draw away Switzerland. He missed two penalties. The first one, good save from someone. The second one. I'm not sure what Ramos was trying to do. I don't know if he was trying to panenka him, but it flopped spectacularly. And Sommer again saved it. But fortunately for him, he was bailed out in the 89th minute once Switzerland had been reduced to 10 men. Gerard Moreno coming off the bench to get the equaliser right at the death for them. So in that group, if we see, I believe Germany are top by a point. Yes, they are. Germany top, Spain second. So really... The game tomorrow is uh, more or less the group decider. Yeah, it is more or less the group decider. They'll be. Uh, they are going to play at. I'm not sure what the stadium they're actually playing at in Spain, but all I know is that Spain are hosting Germany tomorrow, and that is basically a group decider. Whoever who, whoever wins will be off to the Nations League semi-finals. See any other notable games on Saturday? Obviously, we had the Conmebol qualifiers as well. Brazil beating Venezuela 1 0. The goal from Roberto Firmino in the second half. All right, then on to yesterday's games. And we had the Netherlands getting their first win on the Frank de Boer, beating Bosnia 3 1 at home. Gini Wijnaldum scored twice inside the opening 15 minutes. Um, who scored the other goal? Depay getting this third goal early in the second half. Of course, Bosnia pulled one back, but uh, it's just a consolation for them. Northern Ireland, after their their disappointment, I hope to Slovakia went to Austria and they were leading in the last five minutes, I think. Austria mounted a superb comeback and uh, equalised with um, Schaub and then got the winner with uh, Adrian Gurbic, who plays for Lorient in League A. So that leaves Northern Ireland bottom of their group with just a one point and it looks very much like unless Romania avoid defeat unless Romania lose to Norway that uh, Northern Ireland will be getting relegated to League C and that uh, Austria are on course for promotion to League A. Elsewhere, we had Scotland, a much-changed Scotland, of course, on a high after the midweek win in Serbia. They went to Slovakia, lost 1-0. Is what it is. They still have a chance to, to clinch promotion to League A if they beat... If they beat Israel tomorrow, then they will secure... No, not tomorrow, on Wednesday. If they beat Israel on Wednesday, then they will secure promotion to League A. So there's still something to fight for in that group. Uh, the other game in Group One, the Netherlands group, saw Italy beat Poland, and I think this, I think we have a situation in this group where, much like with Spain and Germany, they play each other in what is essentially a group decider. 
Yeah, Italy are currently top. Netherlands are second. Um, who's hosting the game? I believe they're playing in Italy. I'm not so sure about that. Are they playing in Italy? Uh, what? Statistics, lineups, matches. Oh, my bad. I thought they were playing each other. They're not playing each other. No, Italy are going away to Bosnia. And uh, I believe the Netherlands are away in Poland then. So, yeah, if Italy get all three points out in Bosnia, they will qualify for the Nations League semis along with France and one of Spain and Germany. So, then we move on to the other group. The group with England in it, and England were disappointingly beaten 2-0 away in Leuven against Belgium. Very poor play for the first goal. Eric Dyer with a hospital pass out the back. Um, who was it? Mertens latches onto it, gives it to Tienemans. His shot takes a bit of a deflection off Mings and Jordan Pickford with his dinosaur arms. He isn't able to get fully... Isn't able to get a strong hand on it. It hits the post, but it still goes into the back of the net. And England are one 0 down inside ten minutes, and then they have chances to equalise. England uh, Mount should have scored when the ball was uh, crossed in from Jack Grealish, and obviously Harry Kane was unlucky not to score when his header was clear off the line by Lukaku, who I thought was very impressive. And then the second goal comes. It was a sucker punch, really. It's a good. They get a free kick round the edge of the D. Mertens slams it in two 0 Game over. Because really and truly, with the system England were playing, with the way they were playing, the fact that Henderson and Rice was the pivot, there was just no. Throughout the England team, there was just really no movement. Everything was static. It was basically Jack Grealish or nothing. He was the only one really trying to break the lines consistently. Harry Kane was having to drop really deep. Mason Mount is a good player, but he's just he's not a winner. You need to play a couple of wingers out there. And it's unfortunate that the likes of Sterling weren't fit. The likes of Sterling and Rashford have to be left at home. Sancho, of course... He's a, he's a good player, he's a top player he's not explosive like that and so even when he came on he wasn't really able to stretch the game like that to be fair it's not all doom and gloom I thought um, like I said Jack Greenish was very impressive I thought despite not scoring I thought Harry Kane also had a good game, Guy Saka had a good game when he came on and I think he created the most chances for England with three could be wrong uh, who else played well for England Actually, aside from that, I wasn't impressed with anyone. Henderson was poor, came in for half-time, injured allegedly. Rice was just very mediocre. Harry Winks, same same old nothing, offered nothing when he came on. Mason Mount, done no favours by the position he's playing, but again, not the best game of his career. Calvert-Lewin came on early in the second half, didn't really, can't remember him really doing anything. Sancho, again, didn't really do anything when he came on. The defence, Mings was poor, Dyer was poor, Walker was poor, Pickford, I think he's unfortunate for the second goal, but the first goal, could he have done better? I think, no disrespect to, to Pickford, but I think a goalkeeper with longer arms would, would have saved Tielemans' first goal, so... Yeah, back to the drawing board for Gareth Southgate. You do wonder whether he's getting the best out of the attacking talent that England have 
at their disposal, the likes of Grealish, Mount, Madison, who wasn't in the squad, Barkley is not in the squad, Foden when he's in the squad, Rashford when he comes back, Sterling, Kane, Dalvin Lewin. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of this three four two one system that England are playing. I don't, I really don't think it's the best suited for their players. I'm not sure. Obviously, I get why he's playing it because individually, England are very poor defenders. You can see that Maguire's not the best. Mings, I don't know how he manages to get a game for England. Eric Dyer, yeah, he's been playing well at centre-back for Spurs, but England, he always looks a bit booky. So, yeah, like I said, back to the drawing board for Gareth Southgate. He's now, after the game against Iceland, which is effectively a dead rubber, I imagine he'll probably... Rotate the squad massively. We'll see the likes of Saka, Bellingham, Maitland now as we'll get a game. But after that, he won't get to be with the squad again until March. So, really use the time to really look at his tactics, look at where he can do better. Because when you look at... Um, people will say, oh, yeah, we don't have the talent pool of the likes of France, Portugal, but So, you can still... Um, I don't think you need to put them in such a restricting system, though, because you look at how France attack. They play with, they've been playing with the diamond most recently, having Griezmann in the hole, having Mbappe and one of Giroud or Martial up front alongside them. You look at the way Portugal trying to evolve into more of an attacking team. Belgium, of course, they do a lot to get the most out of their attacking talents, like De Bruyne, Mertens, Lukaku, Hazard when he's fit. So, yeah, is Southgate doing these players a disservice with the tactical setup? Obviously, I know you're not going to have all the time in the world to really coach them and maybe focus on the tactical nuances that you can at club level, but still, this three at the back stuff, it can't run because, yeah, the players aren't good enough, yeah, the defenders specifically are not good enough, but... You're not getting the best foot out of your attackers, and if you're gonna if you're gonna win those tight games, then you need to get your you need to get your attackers into better into better positions. And this system just doesn't do that for them. It was just too slow, laborious. There was no invention, no intention against um against Belgium. Yes, Jack Grealish was trying to do everything, but even he was dropping way, way, way too deep at times. Like, at one point, he was on the halfway line and everyone's parked inside um, Belgium's half. Like, I'm thinking, what is going on here? It's just not good enough. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to move on. So, yeah, like I said, Belgium more than likely going to qualify for the for the Nations League now, of course. Um, I think their last game is away in Denmark and this is... Like the other groups, this is a group decider because if Denmark do get the win, then they will be in the Nations League semis. But if Belgium can avoid defeat against them on Wednesday, then they will be going to the tournament. And as for England, they're just um, just trying to finish. Um, I don't even think they can finish second, you know, because of the head-to-head advantage against um, Denmark. So, yeah, they're guaranteed to finish third. The game against Iceland, like I said, is a dead rubber. So, yeah, it is what it is. They're going to move on. Any more games we want to look at in here? Uh, Wales. 
Wales are on course for promotion, I believe, in their in their um their group, their League B. I think they're course for promotion to League um to League A. They're currently top and they host Finland on Wednesday. And so if they avoid defeat in that game, they will be in League A and that'll be very good for them because they'll get to test themselves against the big teams. It's a big team, especially with the young squad that they have. I know they have um, the veterans, well, veterans in Ramsey and Bale, but they've got loads of young players like Ampadu. I know that Norrington Davis guy from Sheffield United, um, Nico Williams from Liverpool. Uh, who else is young in that team? Joe Roden, who just signed for Tottenham. Joe Morrell from Bristol City, I think. Obviously, Dan James from Manchester United. David Brooks from, from Bournemouth. Who else are Wales got in their team? Um, Wales have also got, let's say, young players. Uh, Rabi Matondo, who I've been covering in my Brilliant Brit Abroad series. Matty Smith, Tyler Roberts from Leeds. Connor Roberts from Swansea, I want to say. Or naturally, no, he's at Middlesbrough now, isn't he? So, yeah, there's a lot of young talent in that ball squad. And so, getting to. Um, Getting to league A will be massive for them, and so I guess I guess we're gonna yes we're gonna end off this section with a bit of um, Afcon action, and I'm not gonna dwell on this too much because I have many Nigerian friends. But uh, yeah, where do we start? Nigeria four, Sierra Leone four, Nigeria falling up at home, and they managed to bottle it and. I can't lie, I was laughing. I was laughing at them, but then I saw that Guinea didn't even win their game, so it's maybe now for me. But either way, Nigeria—I still think they're top of their group. If I check, um, I believe they're also playing tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe not. I can't remember how Afcon works. Afcon is mad confusing. Uh, are they playing tomorrow? Yeah, they're playing Sierra Leone again, and they are currently, yeah, they are currently top of their group with Benet as close second. And essentially, if they if they do win the game against Sierra Leone instead of bottling this time, they will basically be qualified for for the Afcon, which is in twenty twenty two now, something like that. I think it got moved to twenty twenty two. Elsewhere in Afcon, like I mentioned, Guinea are in Group A. Um, we drew one-one against Chad today, and we were one and up. Nabiketa did score in the first half, but um, Chad equalised in the second half. Wait, was that today? No, that was yesterday. I'm bucking. Sorry, people. That was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday Chad and Guinea drew one-one. But yeah, we're still we're still top of the group as things stand. Uh, actually, that could change though, depending on the result of the Mali and maybe a game. But either way, my boys Guinea were well placed to go to the to the tournament in two years. So yeah, it's looking good for us. Um, elsewhere in Afcon, we've got who else we want to focus on? It's been a good week for Sadio Mane. He's gotten two wins out on international duty. He's now back at Liverpool, back at um, Kirkby, wherever their training complex is called now. He scored the winner against Guinea-Bissau, 
yesterday in the 82nd minute. And uh, Senegal, oh, they already qualified, actually. Yeah, they qualified. And uh, if they can secure a point against, is Congo the next game? Not sure, is Congo the next game? Yeah, the next game is against Congo. If they can get a point out there, then they will be confirmed as group winners, which is good for them. Um, uh, What other groups do we want to look at? I want to look at the results from today today as I'm recording this. So today we had South Africa who beat Sao Tome 4-2 away from home. They are second in their group, level on points with Ghana who are playing tomorrow. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and his boys were beaten 2-1 and out in Gambia and this is a bit of a weird story because didn't arrive in the country until very early this morning. I don't know what was going on. It was absolute madness with their flights. I don't think flights were running, so they had to take a bus out to Gambia. Got there in the morning, beaten 2-1 today. And, yeah, disappointing for Oba because um, they had a good chance to go... Is it Was it six points clear at the top of the group? Yeah, they had a chance to go six points... Not even six points clear. They had a chance to go seven points clear at the top of their group. But unfortunately, now Gambia are above them. So, yeah, it's a bit of an alpha Oba. They're now second in the group. Still well-placed to go through, providing that Congo-Angola game ends in a draw. Elsewhere, we had Algeria, who bought the 2-0 lead against Zimbabwe. Um, Cameroon beat Mozambique 2-0. And then with the other games coming up tomorrow and Wednesday, we've got... Ghana, like I said, who are facing Sudan away. Togo against Egypt. Their man will not have Salah and El Neni, who are both tested positive for coronavirus. Ivory Coast are playing Madagascar. One, Nigeria, like I said, playing Sierra Leone. Ethiopia playing Niger. So, yeah. That's about all I have to say from AFCON. So... Let's get into the final section of this pod. So finally, like I said, people, we're going to get on to reviewing the groups for the Euros this summer. Uh, There are six of them to go through, so we're just going to get straight into it, to be honest. So Group A, we've got Turkey, Italy, Wales and Switzerland. And with this group, I think... um, I think this is quite an even group, to be honest with you, because... um, Italy, of course, are probably favourites with the players that they have, the likes of Jorginho, Barella, um, who else are they going with? Verratti, uh, Immobile up front, if you can finally find his shooting bits with the national team. They've got Chiesa, uh, Zaniolo, if he's back from his ACL. I don't know if he will be in time for that, but who else have they also got? They've got um, Bernadeschi. Uh, I know there's someone I'm missing. There's someone I'm missing from a big club, and I'm really annoyed. It's really annoying me. I said Chiesa, I said Zaniolo, I said Bernadeschi. Uh, obviously, Belotti and that. Uh, honestly, it's really bugging me. I can't remember who it is, but anyway, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Italy, you would expect them to, I suppose, get top top spot in the group. Turkey, I think uh, Turkey. Um, I'm not trying to say that Turkey could be dark horses, but I think certainly this is the best crop of Turkish players 
talent that they've had in a while. They've obviously got the likes of Soyuncu, who hopefully will be fit by then. Mary at the back who plays for Juventus. Uh, Cengiz Under, who is also a teammate with uh, Soyuncu at Leicester. Uh, Yusuf Yazici, who's been doing well for Lille. Burak Yilmaz, his, team, his teammate at Lille. Also, they also got they've got Chanerkin. I remember. Um, trying to remember who do they have? They've got their current squad. Just trying to look for their current squad. They got Ihan, they got Kabak from uh, Schalke, Chanonoglu from Milan, obviously, Yokuslu from Celta Vigo, Cech Tosun at Everton, Zaki Celik, who are also at Lille. There's someone else I'm missing. I think it might be... Is it Enes Unyal that I'm thinking of? Yeah, that's him I'm thinking of. I think they got a decent squad, you know. They could actually... Um, I'm not trying to say they're going to do a madness, but I think they could do all right. I think they could certainly get out of this group. Obviously, Wales, who I mentioned previously, got all their young talent. Obviously, the last Euros, Bale and Bale and Ramsey did really well. Obviously, Robson Kainu scored that banger against Belgium that got nominated for the Pushkash Award, I believe. And then finally, we've got Switzerland. We've got Granit Xhaka, who captains former captain of Arsenal, but captain of his national team. Shakiri, um, Ricardo Rodriguez, Jan Sommer in goal. Uh, who is their striker? Is it Harris Seferovic? Uh, again, sorry, people. I'm just going to look through that team again. They've got Shah of Newcastle, Akanji of Dortmund, Renato Stefan. I remember Arsenal coming up against him once in the Champions League. Embolo, as I mentioned, Gladbach. So, yeah, they've got a decent squad too. If I had to go with a prediction for this group, I'm going to go with um, Italy to top the group. Providing they're fit. I fancy Wales to get second, you know. And third, I'm going to go with Switzerland. I think Turkey might just miss out. And so on to Group B, we've got Denmark, Finland, Belgium, number one ranked side in the world, and Russia, who, of course, hosted the last World Cup. So I think, again, with this group, it's a bit of a difficult one. I mean, Belgium aside, who we expect to top the group. It's a bit of a difficult one to call who's going to... Um, get second and, and third in this group and who's going to finish bottom. I think Finland on paper probably have the weakest squad. Of course, Timo Puki did all right in the Prem last season, but he's playing back in the Championship now. I know they've got Yo, Joel Poyampalo who plays, I'm not sure if he plays in Bundesliga too, but I can't remember. Anyways, Russia, of course. I know this squad is... I know they had quite an ageing squad at the World Cup, to be fair. So I'm not sure if they've overhauled in any capacity. So I think with with this group, I'm going to have to go for Belgium top, Denmark second, Russia third, just by default, and Finland bottom. Sorry, my Finnish people. On to Group C. The Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. And... A bit like Turkey, I think Austria could do a team, you know, because they've got some, they've got a lot of decent players. They've got, of course, Alaba, Marcel Sabitzer, um, <laughs> uh, that's about as much as I know from their team. Lima from Leipzig as well, Grilich from Hoffenheim, Schupp from Schalke, Kainz from Köln. 
Uh, Verba, he's a good one. Football manager, Gerbic, Gregoric, Arnautovic, who formerly was in the Premier League. Lazaro, who was on loan at Newcastle last season. Hinteregger, who also who always had decent mad team of the season cards. Lina, who's also a good FIFA card. <laughs> I feel bad calling them, <laughs> saying that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Austria should get second in this group. Although I say should get second, I mean, that I'm assuming that the Netherlands will come top. But Frank de Boer, Jesus Christ. I remember when Jose Mourinho called him the worst manager in the history of the Premier League. I mean, he, I, mean I think he was harshly sacked from Palace, but you see what he's done since, and he's not exactly wrong. So, is it a formality to assume that Netherlands top of the group? I think they have too much quality to not finish top of the group, especially when you consider they're coming up against the likes of Ukraine and North Macedonia. But then again, in the last Euros, Portugal managed to finish third in their group and won the whole thing. So... I'm going to go with the Netherlands top, Austria second, Ukraine third, and North Macedonia. Well done for making it this far, but I think you'll be going home in the group stages, maybe. On to Group D. It's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming. It's not coming up. England, I'm sorry. Yes, you will top this group because Croatia are a bit done out. They've been... They've been a bit washed since the World Cup, to be fair to them. They've lost Mandzukic. They've lost... Um, they lost Subasic in goal. They've lost a lot of players, to be honest. Modric is on the way down as a player. Of course, they've got Kovacic and Brozovic and all of that. But I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to put my neck out on the line. I'm going to stick my neck out on the line. And I'm going to say that England will top the group. Scotland will finish second, and as for third place, I'm gonna go with Czech Republic. I think Croatia will actually finish dead last in this group, and I'll probably look like a fool when I'm reviewing this all the way in uh, whenever the Euros finish. But yeah, please, 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 please excuse my singing, my voice is shit, but it is what it is. Group E, Spain, Sweden, Poland, Slovakia. I'm not really impressed with Spain, I have to be honest with you. But, 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 I think they will top the group. Poland will come second with Lewandowski still shooting. And I think, as for third, it's a, really a free-for-all between Sweden and Slovakia. I'm not so sure. I'm going to go with um, Slovakia. I've been impressed with them when I've, re when I've watched them. So, yeah, I think Sweden will finish bottom of the group. And the final group, the group of death, the so-called group of death, group F, Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany. This is a very, very, very tricky group to call. I think when they're all on form, I think if every team is on form, then France should be the ones topping this group. And I'm going to back them. I'm not... I'm not totally convinced in the form of our players, but I'm going to back them to finish top of the group. I think France will finish top of the group. Second. Ooh, ooh. I'm not so sure, you know, because I'm going to edge it with Portugal just because I think they're better defensively than Germany. I've not been impressed watching Germany in recent games, I think, especially since the old guard, the likes of Boateng, um, likes of Boateng, Buller, 
Uh, obviously, Lam retiring. I think since all those guys have been phased out of the national team, I don't think they've been nearly as cohesive a unit defensively. So, obviously, that could change by the time we get to the Euros in the summer. But I'm going to go with Portugal second. I think Germany will still qualify by virtue of being one of the the, the four best third place teams. And so, yeah, that's my predictions for the World Cup. No, why am I saying the World Cup? The Euros, what's wrong with me today? And like I said, please excuse my singing. I sincerely apologise for that. But, yeah, I don't think there's any news for me. Well, I don't think there's any news that I particularly want to talk about apart from... Actually, the whole media witch hunt that's been going on with Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood, I find it despicable. The fact that they're being attacked for nothing, basically. In the case of Rashford, he got attacked by the Daily Mail for... I think he'd invested in five properties. And the fact that he had to come out and explain himself, explaining that this was a decision he made in the interests of his family and in the interests or in the interests of safeguarding his future, I'm... I'm He's a bad he's a bad man than me. I wouldn't have explained myself for that because he doesn't know the media or nothing. He doesn't know them anything. So, and as for Mason Greenwood, obviously he's been going through a lot recently. He's had a lot of allegations, a lot of slander thrown on his name. Obviously, he lost one of his closest mates, Jeremy Wisdom. Condolences to him and his family. He committed suicide um, a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, he's been going through a lot recently and. I feel sorry for him. I really sympathise with him because this is a young man, a 19-year-old boy. He's trying to make a name for himself. He's one of the brightest prospects in this country. And I don't understand why they do this every single time. Especially in this country. When we have a good young prospect coming through, all the media want to do is tear him down. They want to find fault in any little thing he's doing. Of course, he made the mistake out in Iceland with Phil Foden. But is Foden getting that same energy from the media? No. So why is Greenwood the one getting all the flat? Why is Greenwood the one that's being vilified? I don't understand, but that's one for another day. If I might do a pod, I might do another pod at some point during the week, just talking about all of those things in general. So yeah, this will be the end of the pod now. If you've enjoyed this, uh, like, share, retweet, all of that. Follow me up on socials. Share the thing. Get 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 me some more exposure, really. So yeah, if you enjoyed this, like I said, do everything I mentioned. Like I said at the beginning, follow me on socials. And yeah, this has been the Copod. We're at the end now. Johan is out.